Back in the saddle once more. <laughs> the Tus- the Tuskegee Airmen are on the march. Are on the march once, once again. again. <laughs> about a month ago. It was a couple weeks ago. Yeah, something. It was like three three weeks-ish. Oh, sure. Uh, Back um, when I was in Milwaukee. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we had the the different setup that time. It's uh, it's been a minute since we've had like the uh, traditional remote um, setup where we're just using it out out of Audacity and stuff. So it's uh, I was like, oh yeah, dust off uh, that old program and get that rolling. But um. It's winter now. <laughs> I mean, it yeah, sure is. Certainly, certainly is over here. I mean, sometimes we get those late November snows, but then it, like it's warm again, and the ice melt and the snow melts. But no, not this time around. Apparently, I just like looked at the forecast after the first like snow, and I was like, oh, I guess, uh, I guess we're stuck. It's winter now. <laughs> You've just decided. Good. Mm-hmm. It's good to know. Get wait, 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 wait to be. I, I, I don't like. The will they won't they of of uh, <laughs> of of seasons. See the writers of winter twenty twenty two really needed just they decided they wanted to commit right off the bat and not <laughs> right keep, exactly not keep observers guessing. <laughs> but uh, yes, but no, I I get I get tired of just like do I wear a coat today? How thick of a coat do I wear today? And uh, do I leave the house at all today? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you have that option. At least, I, I well, guess. except for right away in the morning when you have to work, I suppose. Right, exactly. <laughs> Which is incidentally the coldest part of the day. <laughs> uh-huh. On the arguably coldest part of town, which is the airport, because you have no it's cover. flat, and there's wind, and it's not fun most of the time. Nippy, a wee bit nippy. A bet. A bet nappy. A bet. A bet. Um, but yeah, how are things uh, down in the cities there? I suppose it's probably not too much different. It's not wildly different, but it has been, I assume, slightly warmer than it is up there. Mm-hmm. The, the past week or so has been kind of hovering just below freezing. Yeah, we're like mid-20s here, so it's pretty comparable. I mean, this morning it was a solid 9 degrees when I yeah. left. Yeah. <laughs> The, yeah, we, uh, was, we was at nine as well this morning. Yeah. We didn't get as much snow as uh, Bismarck and Grand Forks, though, That when that first snowstorm came through. they, uh, My little brother over at Umary was celebrating his first ever uh, snow day. Um, uh, they got like a foot in one shot. It just it rained for most of the day here, and then it turned into snow later in the evening. And then we've just kind of gotten steady sprinklings of snow every uh, every other day pretty much. Which the rain that turns into snow is some of the most annoying because then you go out to your car and you have to scrape the layer of ice that formed underneath all the snow. Mm -hmm. When it just snows, you can just turn the wipers on immediately and just brush it off, right? But if it's got that um, that, uh, layer of ice, it's... One of the weird things I've come across, and I'm sure other people have as well, is when you, uh, you get your windshield nice and toasty with the defrosters and you park your car and you come back later. And there's like little ice droplets that have formed mm-hmm. from snow that fell and froze, that melted and then refroze on your windshield. So it's like, oh, can't use the wipers. That's fun. <laughs> to scrape this crap off. But 
I mean, when you're actually driving and using the car, that feature of like blowing air on the windshield is mm-hmm. great. But then you park it, and it's like, oh, now I gotta start from ground zero again. Mm-hmm. I've noticed sometimes, like, uh, like when you turn off your car, air, air, like warm air will still like come out of the, like sort of slowly trickle out of the vents for a little bit. So I'll have like some frost on my windshield yet, and then I'll come back to my car, and it's like all gone. I was like, huh, interesting. I suppose yeah, it's not like it's just like a on-off switch for temperature. <laughs> like it's cold now. You turn the car off. Yeah, there there is a bit of um, uh, warm up and cool down. Let's say mm-hmm. <laughs> on the temperatures. Yep. Um, but yeah, no. Other than that, uh, so you got back from Wisconsin. How was that whole trip? It was a nice and lovely trip. Got to catch up with some friends from IPF this summer, and we stopped in Winona on our way back to the cities to visit our college seminarians. Ooh. So the boys were buzzing. The boys were buzzing, as our house likes to say. Nice. It's it's like a slight twist on, uh, uh, was it bussing? The boys are buzzing? Or is that... No, it's just like... Yeah, we. It's not at all a, a play on bussing. Oh, okay. But we are. We have so many, like, inside jokes in this house because we're all together all the time, living on top of each other. It's yep. bound to happen. Eight by thirteen rooms and like these are lifelong in um uh, ref- uh. Shoot, inside jokes and stuff. You'll be able to reference heretofore. Yes. Yes. Our that's, staff that's psychologist. A, our staff psychologist at the seminary, Paul Ruff, is a legend, and he's <laughs> he's kind of he's older, so he's like sixty something. But so he says, "Yish," and "yish" has become a, a great meme around. The <laughs> <laughs> like, yish, yish. I because like you've said that I know you've like said that before, like ironically, but then but now that that guy is uh that guy is there. It's it's got to just be constant well now. what i used to do was yeast <laughs> oh yeast yeah yeast was the most common one but yes in conjunction with become... john that's one of his favorites yeast you guys uh you guys had a friendsgiving while i was at work the one night ah uh, we did that was lovely the one um thing it, it, we had a bunch of people over uh bryant made the deep fried turkey stuff with um, wa- with waffle mix with waffle mix because I wasn't paying attention <laughs> to the box it was I was the one that picked it up so that's entirely I mean, it tasted ugly. great but it was like definitely waffles uh yeah I mean chicken and waffles is a thing you have so yeah why not turkey yeah why not turkey? but yeah he said told me to pick up pancake mix and he had a specific brand he wanted me to pick up so I was picking up my stuff for cooking things for friendsgiving. Um, and then also saw, okay, that's the brand. I'll grab it. Uh, it was the waffle mix, not the pancake mix. <laughs> See, I do. probably wouldn't have done any better than you because, like, our family, we use the same, like, batter recipe for waffles and pancakes. I mean, same here. Like, the pancake recipe I helped Dad make when I was two is the same one we use when we make waffles. Mm-hmm. It's just... It's like, what form would you like your breakfast to take today? <laughs> they are same substance, different forms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, but appears that the matter is of a different batter in this instance. In this instance, yeah. 
Except that that's not how that works. If they are different forms, they cannot be the same substance. The substance is a composite of matter and So form. they would uh, they'd be different accidents then. Yes, that would be how you would account for that. Which I certainly made a different kind of accident. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey look at us. bring it all around. <laughs> <laughs> Making the quips. We're back in the hey. saddle, folks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, There's no. about um, 50% too few bits in here. I feel like we need just so many more bits. And a shape we'll get haircut. there. We'll get there. We'll get there eventually. Yeah. Um,. Good, good gracious we're coming up on thanksgiving as of the recording of this episode i mean the week this comes out will be the week of thanksgiving yes so a happy thanksgiving to all who are listening you know who you are yes you do know who you are because you're the ones listening and so <laughs> you're yourself. if you don't know who yourself is and you're listening to this and you're thinking who are they talking to no you what if somebody is <laughs> listening and they have like a severe like debilitating dissociative disorder or they're uh, on like ketamine or some sort of dissociative drug. Like, must we assume? <laughs> is this the kind of podcast you listen to while tripping on ketamine? I don't think. <laughs> I th- I think there are different podcasts you would want to listen to. <laughs> or would you even be listening to podcasts if you're on ketamine? I don't like, know. The Joe Rogan Experience audience sounds like sort of there's yeah. a Venn diagram to be had there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I've never done ketamine, so I don't know what activities pair best with it. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, yeah, that's that's an interesting connection to explore there. But regardless, <laughs> we wish you a happy Thanksgiving, because you're certainly going to be on tryptophan sometime in the next week. I believe that's the yes, chemical, that's right? The... That makes you sleepy from turkey. Okay, good. So they say. Although I don't. Although I yeah. think the uh, the myth is that it, it doesn't. Ha- it's not quite. It's there, but it's not like in the quantity. It's more just the carbs. The yeah, the fact that you've in- ingested a large quantity of calories and your body's just like let me process this real quick but yeah it's um it's gonna be good i'm uh i finally hit that uh there was like a month-long stretch at work where there was just several like big projects coming on and then i went deer hunting in the middle of it and came back um i went i i finally managed to shoot my first deer um way up in uh halleck minnesota Oh yeah. Uh, so 18 miles from Canada, Canada. Uh, that would be a cool thing to bring to the black tie pot like we're doing. What's that venison? Yeah, some some or like venison wild rice thing or hmm. yeah, I could, maybe, I could think maybe of something, something like that. Because like uh, um, my 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 brother, his sister, and my brother in law came up with a f- idea for like Black Friday slash Andrew Sarah's birthday. Um. And it's a black tie event uh, potluck. Mm, and they figured... Yep. First 30th. First 30th, yeah. And the juxtaposition between formal wear and casual food is uh, was, was kind of amusing to them. And I'm like, you know what? That is kind of amusing. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was kind of an interesting experience because... Uh, Are shooting your deer? Yeah. Okay. Um, Sorry. And then... Uh, because that same day like my brother ryan and i were up there with my uncles on the farm where my mom grew up which was an enlightening experience <laughs> to say the least uh the old farmhouse is gone but there's still a couple of buildings and my uncles built like this nice roughly two-bedroom apartment sized hunting shack with you know electricity and water and everything um so it was a com- it was a cozy little uh place um 
But uh, the first day, um, I shot my doe, and then Ryan earlier in the day had shot a um, a buck that didn't have its full-grown horns yet, so he thought it was a doe. So he went and bought another tag because um, you can do that in that zone because he wanted to get something with more meat on it. And so on the last day, he shot a doe as well. And then my uncle, um, he had more than enough meat in his freezer because he's a very avid hunter. Like he goes moose hunting, he goes bear hunting, he goes deer hunting, lots of meat in the freezer. Um, elk burgers that he cooked the one night were incredible. Um, but uh, so he gifted us the deer he'd shot. So we were driving in my brother's uh, Subaru, like chock full of deer. And like we hadn't completely processed them yet. So there's just like legs and stuff sticking out of bins and <laughs> all tagged and legal and everything but it was just like you could feel the back end of the car was very heavily weighed down with all of our equipment almost doing wheelies the entire time home yeah yeah <laughs> it was it was fun though um great great experience and i come back and so <clears throat> at work i make a um it's a semi-annual magazine like spring fall issue it's like a newsletter for the school community that i work for and so I had sent the thing off to the printer. It was going to print on Monday and I would come back and probably have, you know, the copies of the magazine delivered already. I come back and I realize, and I hear that the team had decided, oh crap, we wanted to add four more pages of content to this thing. So we told them to stop the printers and we get it back to them. So I was just like, mm. uh. <laughs> that was a day. That was a day at work. Uh, <laughs> So I managed to get the whole thing done again, all in like the course of two hours, as well as juggling like five other things. Uh, it was a wild Wednesday when I came back and uh, <clears throat> we got, got it all sent back to the printer again. And so finally yesterday I got the printed magazine in my hands so I can rest assured it is finally actually done. I could breathe a sigh of relief. And now it's like very quiet going into Thanksgiving, which is kind of nice because it's not like you're going to get much work done on a short week anyway. It's something to be thankful for. Indeed it is. Um, well, we're thankful for uh, getting back on the podcast and you as listeners, if you stuck around, uh, we're the Palladium Papers. I'm James. I'm Nathan. And I'm Riley. Stuck around after we specifically broke the fourth wall and talked to you. Yeah, <laughs> about wow. your dissociative disorder and your ketamine addiction. Please seek help. Uh, <laughs> speaking of seeking help, um, we're doing a philosophical today about some uh, kids who are in dire need of adult um, understanding. In a world where one man will decide whether to pull a lever and kill one man. Or not pull a lever and allow five people to die. Find out in Filmosophical. Yeah, Filmosophical, the uh, show where we get philosophical about films. Today we are covering uh, Super 8, a movie made in 2011, written and directed by J.J. Abrams. Mm -hmm. Does this take place in a motel? No, no. It's re in reference to Super 8 film, so like the can like those home movie cameras from back in the day. Mm -hmm. mm. Well, back in the day, being 1979 when this uh, film takes place, uh, film opens up at a wake at um, a house. This um, and where we meet our main character, 
His name is Joe. Joe is uh, Joe's mom died in an accident at the steel mill she works at um, in very like suburban but rural rural America kind of kind somewhere of place. in the northeast. Yeah. So we we open up with his his mom's dead and he's sat in the front yard kind of disassociating from the the main uh wake gathering um there is another guy that tries to show up to the to the whole to the house but um his dad joe's dad sheriff, the sheriff, sheriff uh, kicks him out he's a deputy at this point <clears throat> oh yeah he, he is um so that's that's sad um a couple months pass from that opening scene and um joe's friend charles has entered a Super 8 film festival over the summer, and he was working with his friends to make a zombie movie, which Joe's doing all the makeup and stuff. He's into the the movies. He makes models, so he does all the special <clears throat> special effects and things yeah. like that. Um, and so there, there, there's like a it's like start the story centers around this detective trying to figure out where the zombies are coming from and stuff. And it's so, just the same kid being the zombie over and over again. <laughs> right. Because they only have so many people. Yeah. Anyway, um, Charles decides, oh, we need to add a new scene um, with the detective talking to his wife about why she needs to leave town so he can do his job, right? Because mm-hmm. it'll add an emotional element and it'll endear the main character to the audience and give the stakes, right? Because he's all into the, the theory of filmmaking because he like, re- subscribes to the magazines and stuff. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he's a visionary director, you see. Right, exactly. And so he um, enlists a young lady named Alice Daynard to play the, uh, the wife character. And, she's, and they're like, yo, you, you talked to Alice? <laughs> Dude, she's, she, she's cool. She's older. She's like, I know. <laughs> like two years older. Like, right. Like, but it's they're mi- all 12 and it's she's like, like 13 It's middle school. So. <laughs> it's like, you, you got a teenager? What? <laughs> what? And, so anyway, um, they, they sneak out to the railroad tracks in the middle of the night to, to film this scene and they're running through the scene and Alice is just absolutely killing it with apparently the, a quite talented actress apparently, apparently quite talented and uh, you've got you've got Charles just like writing uh, new lines on the fly it's like oh it would be better if it flowed like this and they're like what, what are you talking about yeah <laughs> meanwhile uh, Joe's a little a little smitten with Alice while he's putting her her camera makeup on and stuff but that doesn't last too long because um, they notice that a train is coming down the tracks, and Charles is like, "Dude, this would be perfect. Like, add that extra X factor. We need to see, have this train in the scene for for production value. <laughs> it's production value." And so they quick scramble to get everything set up and start shooting the scene. Um, and then by the time, like, just after the scene finishes, the Joe train. notices a pickup truck making its way down a dirt road and barreling straight towards the train. And the they the car collides headfirst the, with the train, and there's this huge, big derailment, probably bigger than just a truck running into it front ways would actually produce. Yeah, a, a little, a little uh, dramatized for the camera. But. but there's train cars flying everywhere, explosions, flames, burning things, lens flares. It's a J.J. Abrams movie, ladies and gentlemen. Weird white cubes, mysterious fi- shadowy figures scurrying into the forest, that kind of whole thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so they um, go check up on who was in the car after the, all the smoke clears and stuff, 
and it's one of their um it's like the science teacher from school and it's like oh what's 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 he doing here he wakes up he's holding a gun he's like get out of here uh they'll they'll come for you if, they'll, if they know you were here um so which is vague and ominous and freaks the kids out even more because they just witnessed a train crash and they look at the cars which are labeled uh, u.s air force yeah those are those are coming in so Joe steals one of the mysterious white cubes that spilled out from one of the trucks because he's a curious kid in a movie that needs to do has to have stuff happen. And they scatter. They they scatter. Well, they all manage to pile in the car that uh, Alice shouldn't be driving mm-hmm. because she borrowed it from her dad. And she's not old enough to drive. And she's not old enough to drive. Um, and they they all go home and try and quietly forget about the incident, not talk about it because it's they, they might get caught by the big government man. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of what happens. Um, there's oh yes, um, but when the Air Force arrive, they do find uh, the empty f- box of Super 8 film. They start marking, uh, looking at the tire tracks, trying to see who was there, and it's all. So they are a little bit onto them. So later they're they're decompressing in town, and it's like. Military is becoming more and more present and just like investigating things and like examining the train crash and stuff like that. And the town people in the town are trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, chief among them is the de- the deputy sheriff, which is Joe's dad, um, who because there's mysterious disappearances and like electrical things getting blown up and ripped apart and just kind of bizarre. Bizarre happenings. Like that. People go missing. Dogs go missing. It's it's a big big hubbub and nobody knows what's up. He try he tries to talk to the uh, Air Force like Colonel to see if he knows what's going on, but he keeps stonewalling him and telling him everything's going to be fine. We're just investigating a little thing here. It's no big deal. Don't worry about it. In in the meantime, uh, Charles wants to continue making his movie, um, but due to what's going on and also uh, Joe's dad is kind of not into it. He's like, oh, you should go to. To military, to what? Like military school. Yeah, military camp, camp over the summer. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, I want to stay home and help uh, Charles finish his movie. And he's like, I, I, things have been different since your mom died and all that. And I don't know how to connect with you. I'm, I'm bad at being a dad right now, but it's all I know how to do right now. Mm-hmm. I'm doing my best. Meanwhile, and also Charles wanted to add more, um, more Cow scenes belt. that include the wife mm-hmm. character. And there's a nice derailed train they can use to have in the background and sort of rewrites the story around Around it. a big train crash and stuff. Mm-hmm. But so they go to um, the house of that, to Alice Daynard's house and we meet her dad, who is the guy that, um, that Joe's dad kicked out of the wake because turns out um, he works at the same, he worked at the same steel mill his mom did. Um, and that the morning his mom died, uh, he couldn't come into work because he had, he was hungover, and so his mom took his shift, and uh, well, that's when she died in the accident. And so his dad, Joe's dad, blames him for the fact his wife died in that accident. And because um, because Lewis is his name, uh, because um, Alice's dad uh knows that Joe's the sheriff's kid. He uh He's like you got to stay away from my daughter because you know your dad's going to come down on me if if we find out you're spending time together. I don't want to be anywhere near you. 
but that outburst at his at the door um, causes Alice to be like, "Okay, yeah, I will. <laughs> I'll I'll help you finish your movie." Mm-hmm. So they continue doing zombie makeup stuff, and it's all there. They uh, Joe Joe and Alice get kind of get kind of chummy with each other, as it were, much to the chagrin of Charles, uh, who is a little bit put out by the happenings, because um, he has a crush on Alice too. He does. At this time, there's also like um, the military guys are uh, doing their stuff, and turns out they have uh, uh, captured the doctor, and they're like, uh, "What do you know about it? How, who have you told?" And being all vague and mysterious about what exactly is going on with that train, um, and we start to learn what starts to go on with that train when um, they find when Charles and Joe finally get the uh, film developed from that night. They start looking over the shots they took, and turns out they can't use any footage of the of the train crash because it's the camera fell over and it didn't get a good angle. But what the camera did pick up was something very large crawling out of one of the uh, the cars in the train. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, that's freaky and monstrous. And we also see and this is about the part where we start to cut to the sheriff goes missing. The sheriff goes missing because he gets got by a big thing. Um, Other people get got and go missing. And uh, Joe's dad is basically the one like the fact that the leader of the sheriff's department and he's just trying to hold keep the town from like falling apart. And everyone in the town's like, oh, it's a it's a Soviet attack. Oh, it's this that we got it. We want. We're scared, dang We're, we're scared, dang <laughs> What's going on? And the military's keeping it tight, tight-lipped. So, it is at about this point when um, Alice comes home. She, she goes to visit uh, Joe late at night one time, uh, and they talk about how his mother died and stuff. And how bad she feels about it. Right. Um, and the point is, she arrives home late. Um, and her dad is waiting up for her, and he's like, "What? What's going on with you? Where are you at?" And I know where you were. You were with that boy, weren't you? I told you to stay away from him and stuff. And they get into the old-fashioned argument, um, and she leaves the house and starts walking. Away. He's also very drunk, mm-hmm. but she starts. Uh, she she walks out, and the dad comes to his senses and follows her and tries to pick her up to go home. When she gets picked up by something else entirely. Uh, she gets picked up by large monster, and the dad uh, is rightfully distressed by this. The army has be- or the air force has become desperate to like recapture the creatures, so they're basically all right. We're going to evacuate the town, and like we're going to fake a wildfire coming to the town. And we're going to evacuate everybody so we can basically cordon it off and like trap this <clears throat> alien and try to like flush it out with the military. Mm-hmm. And uh, get it once and for all. Yeah. So the, everybody's being rounded up and bussed away from the town to like these shelters and stuff outside of town. And then the kids are like, something's up. We got to get in there and find where the alien's hiding out and rescue Alice. Because um, Joe in the shelter comes across uh, Alice's dad. And he's like, you got to save her. It took her. And he's like, oh, I know what it is. I believe you that it's a crazy monster because I have footage of it. And so they they recruit the stoner uh, video store guy to uh, drive them around, and uh, I think they get captured right. at one point. Yes, they do. But what happens is they go, 
They they get the stoner guy to drive them past the uh, the military blockade into the town to the school. Oh yeah, they break into their old science teacher's office to find all of his information on the alien, so they can figure out what to do about it. It turns out that uh, this science teacher worked for the government a couple years, several years ago, on a top secret um, Area Fifty One style project where there was an alien uh, ship that crashed. And the ship that crashed is made up of a bunch of tiny little white cubes. So it can reform and do these different things. Yeah. Um, and they were, like, doing experiments on the alien and s- stuff like that. When one day, um, the, the science teacher got grabbed by the alien and then set back down. It turns out by, by making physical contact with the alien, they share a psychic connection now. And so now the doctor realizes how... Uh, scared and lost at fields and how it basically ended up there by accident and just wants to go home but people keep bugging him yes the way that uh military do kind of like a the, the bad end of et yeah <laughs> so with this knowledge in mind uh the kids are in the school and then they get found out by the government guys and they get loaded up into a van and they start driving it's like no we haven't even found alice yet right and then the um, monster attacks the bus. Monster attacks the bus that they're on with the military guys. The kids barely escape. The military guys get got. Um, Stoner boy shows up to pick them up and take them back to... Uh, I think they managed to find... Oh, the alien's hideout is under the cemetery. Yeah, earlier in the movie, Joe was having a moment uh, visiting his mom's grave and stuff when he mm-hmm. saw movement in the uh, cemetery shed. Mm-hmm. Um, but was interrupted, so he didn't look into it further at the time. Right. And it's like, well, it turns out that this thing's subterranean, uh, according to the, the videos and notes they they looked at. Um, so they open up the... Hit. So Joe and one other kid, the demolitions expert uh, explosion effects kid who's working on the movie Pyromaniac with kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they uh, go into the shed and find there's a big gaping tunnel that leads to a network of underground tunnels and they're like okay well if they if they're anywhere uh alice is down here so they they climb down and search for a bit and sure enough uh there's like a great big uh garage <laughs> that the uh alien has set up as he's like a mishmash of these different things he's built trying to rebuild his ship because he's been like stealing the power lines and a whole bunch of cars and tractors and stuff just to get the equipment to work on his ship He's got a bunch of unconscious people hanging from the ceiling, including you know, Alice. snacks for later. Um, including Alice, who they do manage to uh, save. They cut her down while distracting the alien on the other side of his uh, his den. They cut down a couple other people from the ceiling. Uh, and in a chase sequence where the other people we don't care about get got <laughs> by the alien, uh, the kids manage to escape to the surface. And Well, they get, they get cornered in the... Uh... And then uh, Joe kind of confronts the alien who picks him up, establishes a psychic connection, and then sets him back down. He's like, I get it. You just want to go home. And we and we're, and we want to help you. We support that. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to stop you. Yep. I think the alien also has, like, this weird sort of, like, psychic telekinetic ability, and he's making, like, all of the military's, like, guns and stuff go off, and it's causing chaos and mayhem in the town. Um, and in the chaos, uh, yeah, they get to the surface... Yeah, mm-hmm. let's see what happens next. Well, um, Joke reconnects with his dad, who's up there. Yeah. Um, the the aliens base is right underneath the water tower, mm-hmm. and um, as like it's drawing all the the white cubes 
that make up the ship together into the structure so that it can like morph into the ship. Mm -hmm. A huge like magnetic effect happens where it starts drawing in cars and stuff and also happens to suck up um, the, the, the locket that his mom gave him when you know the before she died. Yeah. Um, so he symbolically lets that go and it, it's kind of the final piece that gives the ship the mass it needs to transform agrophagize into <laughs> the, the alien spaceship and it blasts off and uh, manages to escape mm -hmm. um, and yeah that's, that's pretty much where the movie ends they finish they finish the super 8 movie and enter the film festival and you get to see the the film they made uh, in the end over the end credits mm -hmm. and it's uh it's a fun little movie yeah about what you'd expect. <laughs> it's a movie that grown adults, grown professional movie adults, um, made to love kids <laughs> making a movie. So it's it's pretty, uh, you know, for like what ten year olds, pretty impressive. But whatever. <laughs> so yeah, that's the basic gist of the film. Uh, and this came out in like what 2011? 2011. Okay, yeah. Did, yeah. So it was prior to Stranger Things, despite it. It strikes a very similar vibe. Yeah, they're both channeling the same um, ET Spielberg sort of. energy. Spielberg, I think, was a producer. Yeah, he was this. a producer on this. But it's like one part ET, one part Goonies. That that whole mm -hmm. uh, era. Yep. I take it, Riley. You haven't you haven't seen I Super have Eight? Not seen this movie. No. It's pretty fun. Yeah, it's a good watch. Kind of one of those like lighthearted like uh, adventure movies from yesteryear, but made well still yesteryear, but a more recent yesteryear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's got like some you know like sci-fi horror elements to it at times. It does a it does a good job with the uh, old sci-fi horror trope of not showing the alien until the very end mm -hmm. and when it finally does show the alien it's that moment of connection where they understand each other yep so but it, all the rest of the time it's just very kept very dark and shadowy and vague it's a, got like four four arms and stuff so it's like you don't can't make head or tail of it mm -hmm. or arm of and it like six noses or whatever yeah or arm of it exactly actually yep. I don't know if it had a tail I don't remember <laughs> You don't really see it from that angle, which, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nobody asked. <laughs> Nobody asked. Yeah. So I guess, uh, what are some cool things we liked about, uh, I mean, we already sort of started commenting, but uh, what are some cool things we like about uh, Super 8? Well, the reason I like, one, one of the reasons I wanted to watch it with you is that um, <laughs> it reminds me of like the first time we met. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's just like obsessed with making videos. Yeah, exactly. The the creativity and mm -hmm. just the unbridled like we we need to do stuff. Let's let's do something. Let's let's get together. Let's, let's, let's get, get the this camera. camera let's record something. Yep. So I, that was like one of the reasons I wanted to watch it with you because it's like these kids were us ten years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of weird to think about. That's been we've known each other for ten years, but right. anyway, <laughs> time does. But fly. also in that vein, I feel like the kids also embodied the filmmakers yeah like, they, like I, I feel like you couldn't so. help but put jj abrams and steven spielberg couldn't help but put themselves into the kids that were just like into movies and into making them mm -hmm. and it's so and it's also a tribute to movies about kids who in the 80s love making movies mm -hmm. so 
so it kind of was is this interesting like has this meta vibe to it. It kinda almost. it kinda had some like sandlot energy to it too, where you have like this sort of uh you know, this kind of wacky cast of uh characters as friends and they're you know instead of a giant scary dog, it's a big freaky alien in this instance. But right. uh do, I forget, does it do the thing where it tell where it says what they do when they grow up? No. Okay, I forgot. I don't think it does. Yeah, that's right. That, they just show the movie. The what you're thinking of might be when we watched uh, the Weird Al movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> Which, probably not a podcast thing, but the the just like brief aside, the we- Al the we- uh, Weird the Al Yankovic story was a fun watch. It was it was pretty great. <laughs> we watched that last weekend, but but no, um, I had cool stuff. But then when you asked me about cool stuff, I'm like, what was the cool stuff I was thinking about? Um. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a pretty simple movie. Like it's got uh, you know a, well it's well written, good plot and all that, um, good characters, um, you know, compelling emotional journeys, things like that. Yeah, and and a lot of the side characters, the things they do might not be like important to the plot, but we can probably talk about them in the goodness and stuff. Yeah, because really, there's a. There's not a whole, yeah. There isn't a whole lot that goes on in the plot. It's just who you who you who you're hanging out with, mm-hmm. right? And it kind of does have that fun summer project kind of vibe, yeah. almost. Despite having also this like uh, light horror adjacent vibe from times. Hmm. Um. I guess we can get into the truth then. What are some truths in uh, Super Eight? One like common theme in this film is holding on to past like trauma or past trauma and regret. Yeah. Regret, right? So for one thing, the alien itself is only hostile to humans because humans have been hostile to it. So it's got this trauma, traumatic grudge it holds against humans as a species mm-hmm. um, that gets resolved when he finally gets a little recognition and um finally can leave Mm -hmm. but it's also what uh the main characters are going through with the death of joe's mom because the dad uh joe's dad harbors a lot of um anger toward uh alice's dad because of his association with her death Mm -hmm. right and so and alice's dad likewise harbors a lot of guilt about it because he's like I'm the reason she died mm-hmm. essentially and then like his own issues with like his wife who I, I forget if, he, if she left or like she died or what no, happened no, she, she, oh yeah H- yeah um, Alice's mom she mm-hmm. left yeah so he's got a whole lot of regret and stuff in him from, from all that but by the end of the movie um, it's the two dads driving down the highway tr- going to save their kids, right? Mm-hmm. And in that kind of quiet moment before they are, while they're still driving, they finally confront each other. And it's like, I'm sorry about what happened to your wife. And he's like, I don't blame you. I forgive you. It wasn't your fault. Mm-hmm. So finally, there's that resolution there at the end. Yeah. Um, there's sort of, a, I suppose you could say there's like this... Um, kind of a like the whole like backdrop of like the alien and stuff in town like um refusing to let that darkness go is like stunting like the kids from growing up yeah 
Um, and so it's causing all kinds of issues in town. It's like very destructive for all the relationships that they that they hold. Right, because their parents don't like each other, and so they're not allowed to be with each other, even though they're friends, mm-hmm. right? And similarly, you've got this alien problem rooted deep underground. Yep. That is because the government refuses to admit it did anything wrong with this alien, and that's just causing the problem to continue. And so the adults refusing to accept their respective responsibilities and like, you know, and avoid reconciling is sort of destroying the kid, the kids lives and everything they're working on. Mm -hmm. And even the, the kid, the the, Joe has to let go of his mom also Mm -hmm. uh, and move past that phase of his life, that moment, that phase of grief so that he can fully accept his friends and his friendships with them. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, those are. I think those are the main things. It was actually one one interesting thing that um, is kind of a contrast to uh, Joe's home life is his friend Charles's home life. Yeah, which is your um, typical Hollywood movie depiction of a family with lots of kids. Mm-hmm. But also, there's it's, it's clearly a very happy though chaotic home. It, yeah, it's chaotic, and there's friction between older and younger siblings. But the parents are very like they they're love supportive their kids. of Charles's uh, like creative expression and endeavors and mm-hmm. uh, and they're like you know joe like if you ever need a place to come and you know like they they want to try to extend that love to him after his mom died right it's like you know it's like you ever, if you ever need to hang out somewhere you can just come on over whenever you want you know like they want to be supportive of him so that's that's cool charles's so, yeah. family is pretty good yeah. i suppose it's more that's of the transitioning goodness. to that but, yeah we're in the goodness but, yeah, but, space now that that kind of sums up the overall like themes of truth they have. And, and kind of the contrast to like you know Joe is you know in a broken home even though his dad's trying to do his best but you know it's it's tough um, and I think he sort of recognizes at the end of the movie too like in order for him to heal and for Joe to heal they have to both like go because uh, like um, you know Joe when the magnetism is like sucking the locket away like Joe's starting to get dragged away and then his dad grabs him and so together they both have to kind of symbolically let go of his mom so that they can both like heal and grow from it and that was the missing piece that came to resolve their yeah and like symbolically like yeah like once that for whatever reason once that ends and like the rocket takes off and they all like like as soon as he lets go the rocket takes off and all their problems are gone (laughs) basically which is not that simple I mean they have a town to rebuild but (laughs) you know Things like that. So it's kind of a neat little thematic um, device they use there. Maybe a little heavy-handed, but... But, I mean, it works. Effective. Yeah, it's coherent and it works. Um, Let's see. Yeah, goodness. Uh, I suppose Joe's relationships with his friends are good. Um, Yes. Charles and him, you know, they're both like... it's. uh, They both have a crush on the same girl, but Charles is at least like honest with him and is like, all right, well... And he manages to be the bigger man and let Joe and Mm -hmm. her pursue that yep which is good for charles mm-hmm. C- good good job being a bro yep in fact it turns out the only reason he asked alice to do that part was so that he could have spend some time with her too mm-hmm. but, and she turned out to be very good at acting but right which that i kind of love that scene where they're not not they're just all starstruck but mm-hmm. the fact that she was could deliver that so well mm-hmm. not a it's it's a girl and they don't hang out with them often mm-hmm. but b it's like whoa that was really good yep and they end up redoing the scene over again with like the train and stuff so it's like not really relevant but um it's like their movie they make but uh, let's see what else um 
I suppose deep down, like Joe's dad is a good guy, you know, trying to deal with his like grief and loss, but he's also trying to keep a town together. I suppose again, like thematically trying to hold his life together after, you know, after his wife passes away and just like finding himself out of his right. There's a disaster that happens in the home and he can't hold it together. And there's a disaster that happens in town and he can't hold it together. (laughs) Right. Exactly. It's kind of him against the world, but he realizes that it's his relationship with his son, you know, loving his son is how he's going to get through his grief and his pain. And it's about that forgiveness and healing. And that's really all good themes that all come to fruition at the end. Mm -hmm. Right. There's, yep. there's the healing between the two individual families amongst themselves and also between the two families. Mm-hmm. Well, the two fathers, I should say. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I suppose, like, Joe saving Alice's life from, like, the alien is, like, sort of a another piece that sort of helps bridge that gap and, like... Right. It's like, if, if we can't bond over anything else, it's, are we, we want our children to not die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what else? I I guess that's mainly it. That that's primarily it. Uh, beauty, uh, well made film. You know, like the special effects are pretty on, pretty good. Can, They're for, on par for twenty ten. Yep, around about up. that time. Was it? Did ILM do this movie? Ah, uh, quite likely. They're all over the place. You know, Spielberg was involved there. Probably. Yeah, if, if, uh, if it's Spielberg, he might have made that phone call. Mm-hmm. Although the aforementioned lens flares are everywhere. Like Michael Bay does that a lot as well. But it's like if you've ever I, I haven't seen the Star Trek movies that J.J. Abrams made from around this time. But apparently there's lens flares everywhere. And I, I saw the first two and they were just OK. Yeah. So more of that. Um, you'll like this more than J.J. Abrams. Other notable works. science fiction work. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> from uh like five six seven years later but yeah um but yeah but yeah you know, the score is good the you know the writing and everything is great the actors they, are good and they do draw from like they, they do make that uh shortcut to the late 70s early 80s like vibe by injecting pop songs in there but mm-hmm. I mean, like it's you good do. music yeah and of course it's what the kids are into so it's what they're listening to in the car radio and singing along with mm-hmm. as they it's it really is kind of a prototype of Stranger Things when or, you think about it. Not not really prototype, but same archetype. Yeah, yeah. Do they do? But like, or not prototype, but do they What's do that? any kind of like keep it more in a modern shot composition style, or is it like do they attempt to imitate eighties kind of film? Uh, it's 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 pretty modern. Yeah. I think yeah. like J.J. Abrams, that, that's yeah, just that's, kind of his style yeah. is very modern. So interesting. I mean, it's an action. There's it's, there's action sequences and everything that you know. Um, they didn't go like out of their way to get like cameras that would emulate that color palette mm-hmm. or compose the shots in the way that Spielberg might have. When you watch it, it's very much movies. a movie that came out in 2010. That that you know that, but it also does manage to capture the aesthetic of. Um, the late 70s early 80s like yeah. to a t yeah all the, fact, like the the you know the prop design and everything like that was very well done um when i watched it with my dad for the first time he's like we had that same end table in our house <laughs> as a kid I, this is taking me all the way back mm-hmm. so it's fairly authentic i suppose yeah your dad is like the age of those kids in the movie oh yeah and he he, he loved this movie oh good which is part of the reason I, I i like it because i i liked watching it with him mm-hmm that's like uh for me that's i mean my dad didn't grow up in the 40s but like there's a lot of stuff from the 50s that's similar so it's like watching uh 
he loves that Christmas story because of uh, <laughs> oh, a lot yeah. of that stuff. My mom hates the Christmas story. My dad kind of loves it. <laughs> <laughs> um, not allowed to have it in the house, but every couple years, <laughs> uh, we'll, we're allowed to borrow it from the library to watch wow. it. <laughs> wow. Anyway, that's an aside. Yeah. Uh, um, Unity? Unity. What brings everything together? Um, holding in grief yes. causes pain. Also, For, um, thematically, like just in general, it has this love of 80s films mm-hmm. and the love of making films and engaging with special effects and the monsters and the monster movie mm-hmm. it has this kind of maybe a little self-congratulatory but like yeah because it's got some E.T. vibes to it for it's sure very, it kind of celebrates that uh, mm-hmm. vibe of film mm-hmm. and so like between the an homage if you will yes not a direct rip off of anything no, clearly it has. It draws it's it's got some terms. original concepts, yeah, like the like the alien and everything like that. And like that the works. the cube that gets magnetically sucked to the water tower and stuff. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it's original, but like it set out to emulate that style of eighties movie and did so very well. Mm-hmm. So that paired with the um, the core grief uh, and anger repression themes. Mm-hmm. Uh, are kind of the main guiding principle of this film. Yep. Any uh, any other comments uh, from your end of the from your end, Riley? No. It it seems like I would have to watch it to to really get what it's yeah. going for. It's, yeah. I had sort of a general idea of what this movie was about, so like I wasn't really surprised by anything I saw in the movie, but it was a very pleasant watch. Um. But yeah, yeah it's it a good film. Yeah. Recommend. I guess we should uh, probably wrap this up. Oh, yeah. Here. Probably. All right. Uh, you know, you spend you spend four days next to Canada and you start to pick stuff up, I tell you what. <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. yeah it's about that yeah. time, isn't it? Um, thanks for listening to the Palladium Papists. You can listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Please leave a rating to let us know what you think of the show and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Palapapists. Uh, you can also follow us on twitch.tv slash if you want to watch us stream at 7pm central on Wednesdays uh, we're looking to add more soon so oh, we, we, we might start doing Tuesdays here particularly next week or the week this comes out because Thanksgiving for Monday yeah. so stay tuned for that mm-hmm. um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns or complaints or suggestions for future episodes email us at palladianpapis at gmail.com We'll talk to you guys again in the next episode. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.